This is MuggleCast, the Harry Potter podcast discussing everything about J.K. Rowling's wizarding world. Welcome to MuggleCast episode 331. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. We have a guest host this week, one of our Patreon supporters. Cherise, welcome to the show. Thank you. Where are you hailing from? I live in Kansas City, Missouri. And you were telling us before the recording that you kicked out the family. I did. Get out, kids. It's time to record MuggleCast. Exactly. That's what I say to my dog. Get out of here, Brooklyn. Oh. Anyway, it's good to good to have you on the show. Let's get your fandom ID. Tell um tell us a little bit about yourself. Um. Well, I've been a casual fan for quite some time. I had started with the movies. Um. I think around movie three or four. It ended up that they always came out about the time my husband deployed for Iraq. So we mm. would always see them before or after he returned. Um, and then about seven years ago, I finally read the books. And I have been hooked ever since. Um, so you read the books after the final book came out. That's interesting. Yes, I read the books in between part one and part two of Deathly Hallows. Nice. Yep. Um, my poor husband probably had to starve because I read the books in one week. <laughs> you were doing nothing but reading, huh? He refers to it as the week of no food. Yes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, J.K. Rowling. Well, what made you decide to finally read the books? Um, a lot of my friends have read him. My youngest sister, Brenda, she had read them. And in fact, I borrowed the books from her because she told me, she's like, Neville is so much, has so much more going on in the books than in the movies. She's like, there's just so much more information. <laughs> so you were like, I'm sold. Yeah. I'm in. <laughs> so that could potentially answer a later question we have for you. Okay. Um, what is your favorite Harry Potter book? I would have to say Half Blood Prince. Okay. How about your fa- favorite movie? Um, I'm a purist, so probably <laughs> one or two. Yes. I I had you know it's funny, I had a dream about the first two movies either last night or two nights ago. And I can't remember why I was dreaming about this, but I just remember in my dream thinking, Man, Christopher Columbus's movies were so good. <laughs> <laughs> I Yeah, they, what, they they really were. I have to agree. What was, what's your, and this, this ties into a discussion we'll be having later today. What's your favorite Harry Potter book that's not books one through seven? Um, and funny, because I know that this will tie in later. Um, it would have to be Case of Beast. Okay, Ooh. yeah. Yeah, the new okay. one. Yes. It gives a lot of background information that isn't in the movie like the whole um jacob was supposed to have a fiance and um right the newt's brother and stuff like that so it's just really interesting yeah cool not beetle the bard (laughs) no not beetle the bard (laughs) It's been but Beetle the Bard's years. great, though, right? Like, if, if if there had to be an eighth Harry Potter story, it should be Beetle the Bard, right? Exactly, Eric. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, Sharice. Okay. What's your Pottermore Patronus? It is a black and white cat. 
Ooh. A black and white cat. Yep. <laughs> and what are your Hogwarts and Ilvermorny houses? I am a proud Hufflepuff. Yes. And a horned serpent. Cool. cool. That's Very a cool, cool. combo. Mm-hmm. It is. Excellent. Well, it's nice to have you on. Mm-hmm. I Thank actually you. have one more question, though, Andrew, because I okay. thought that this was, was in here, but when she mentioned a certain character earlier, I was wondering what her favorite character in the series is. Is it Neville? It is not Neville, actually. It is actually Jenny. Cool. Oh. Well, that's another good reason to read the book, I guess, because you get a little more Ginny time, too. Yes, I definitely prefer book Ginny over movie Ginny. Yeah. She does, yeah. she does get the shaft in the movies. So later in the show today, we are going to be talking about Harry Potter, um, the, the consumer side of it, the merchandising side of it. We're going to start heading into wider discussions about Harry Potter now that we're done with Fantastic Beast character discussions mm-hmm. um, and our commentary. So we have a fun segment later today just about all the, the Harry Potter stuff. And we have <laughs> some some surprising stats, too, about just how big the merchandising side of Harry Potter is. Do you cool. know what I thought about when I read in the doc what we're talking about this week? What? Have you guys ever seen Billy Madison? Yeah. You know when they're going through that educational triathlon and they ask him that question and he goes into the story about the little lost dog? (laughs) I'm like, oh, consumerism. (laughs) (laughs) I think we'll try and we'll try and make it so that everyone I know I know I was impressed by the numbers Andrew found because I didn't know where I I don't know where I'd be without him. Uh, It was very Ravenclaw of you, Andrew. Well, thank you. It was just a Google search away. Although I told you not to click on the link. I didn't click on the link. Oh, okay. Just the I'm one. Assu- I'm speaking ahead of time. I assume there are numbers okay. behind the link. Mm. You did <laughs> You did put a nice little warning in the doc. Beware, numbers. And I'm like, oh, my own. Well, I'm not convinced yeah. that I'm not you didn't either. click I, the link. I'm not oh, either. I'm not. I think we're going to have to exclude Eric from the game. The oh, guessing gosh. game. Okay. <laughs> so um, let's talk a little news. We're started on a, off on a sad note. Actor Robert Hardy died earlier this week. He played Cornelius Fudge in the Harry Potter movies. He's back. He's back. Online, I remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember Bad Business Hagrid. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> From uh, back in Chamber of Secrets. That was a series-long role for the guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, it really was. Did you guys notice how he his look changed throughout the different movies? It did. It definitely did. Um, yeah. I think he had some some character hair loss, uh, <laughs> if you look at it. Because uh, he, he was described in the books as having this billowing curl, sort of like what I imagine uh, uh, an old 1770s mason to look like. Um, you know, like the Washington wig. Um, but by the end of it, you know, when he's in the he's back scene and even in the ministry uh or in Dumbledore's office when Dumbledore shows him up he's looking a little worse for the wear because of the stress of the the wizarding world and what it's come to i think that was probably deliberate he lived a long life he died at 91 he started his acting career in 1959 so wow. he had, yeah. a, had a great life it seems now another thing about this is uh JK Rowling's tweet Uh, Mm. where she said, so very sad to hear about Robert Hardy. He was such a talented actor, and everybody who worked with him on Potter loved him, uh, was echoed by the cast members who had worked with him, who had 
uh, tweeted about him as well. I remember Chris Rankin, who uh, probably worked with him most uh, in the ministry scenes when Percy's at the ministry, um, just said he always had the greatest stories to tell. And if you're in the business, you know, it's same, same with the other elite Brits that were, you know, on the cast. If you're in the business for five decades, I am sure that you will have just the best, best stories. But, um, yeah, for it sure. seems like he was a very nice guy loved by everybody. And, and it's obviously very sad, uh, to raise our wands for another, uh, Potter alum. Megan, who's listening live in the Patreon chat. She says, I love his monologue when we first see him in prisoner of Azkaban. And she quotes him, <laughs> she had been properly punctured and her memory modified. <laughs> it is a funny, it is a funny line of dialogue. <laughs> so, um, rest in peace. Peace, Mr. Hardy. Yep. We have some big cursed child news this week. I was genuinely surprised. I don't know about y'all. I was not expecting this. No, not at all. I actually was. Oh, really? Yeah, because yeah. when they... I know that they did almost a full year on the West End, but then when the news broke that um, they were coming to New York, um, I'm like, oh, I bet you they're going to bring the original cast. Yeah, so seven of the original cast are coming back. They are uh, Jamie Porker, who plays Harry, Noma Dumezweni, who plays Hermione, Paul Thornley, who plays Ron, Poppy Miller, who plays Ginny, Sam Clement, who plays Albus. Alex Price, who plays Draco, and Anthony Boyle, who plays Scorpius. This is a big deal because this cast, and I know um, those of us who've seen it and spoken about it on this show have raved about Anthony Boyle as Scorpius, so it'll be really nice to see him again. And I think it'll be great to see this cast who now have a year under their belt. Then they had a break. They've been done for uh, a month or two now. They're going to be continuing to take a break through the end of this year then they'll jump back into it they'll probably be refreshed maybe they'll bring some you know new takes on the characters um but this is also good because there's been a lot of you know people upset that like oh this is happening over in the uk at least if you're american this is good news because now you get to see this cast who kicked off this whole show so this is definitely the best thing that they could have done for a North American run of Harry Potter and the Cursed mm. Child, in my opinion. If they're so unwilling to release a taped video performance wor- worldwide of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child as it was meant to be seen, which they should do, by the way. WB, hit me up. Uh, the <laughs> I'll, I'll video it. I don't care. I guess it's too late. But um, this is a nice second because having the original cast who, you know, you get as close to the UK experience as you can. Um, I was not able to go to UK due to cost reasons, and I am not the only American. Uh, same here, Eric. Same. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so You can go to Orlando, though, Eric. I mean... I will be in Orlando, and I'll be in New York. <laughs> you know, next April, next April, it's the day before my birthday, April 22nd, uh, when the uh, play officially comes out. I yeah. am going to get tickets for opening day or my or the next day of my birthday, guaranteed, and I'm going to see this play that I've spent so many hours discrediting. Um, <laughs> Watch. Eric's going to be a changed man on the show about the cursed <laughs> child after he actually in, sees it. In all fairness, you haven't really attacked the play. It's been more so the script and the I, I actual expect to story. Love, 
yeah, I expect to love the the stagecraft and the magic, just like every single other person does. Mm-hmm. Um, it's those it's those weird people, the strange listeners who are like, no, the script is great that I like question. But I'm just actually <laughs> kidding. I'm not meaning to be offensive to anybody. I'm excited about this. This is great news. Now, Andrew, I did notice that there was one exception to your list of original cast that <laughs> yeah. are going to be in New York. Rose, I assume you're talking no, about. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, and Albus, right? Yep. Albus. So there's, there was more than one notable exception, but the, no, the real Severs. notable exception uh, was actually Alfred the Owl. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we we all look forward to seeing if a live owl is going to be used in the New York production. Maybe they couldn't get him through customs. <laughs> <laughs> they could just Possibly. dress a pigeon up. There's plenty so of pigeons. So here's the thing. They also announced that tickets are going to be going on sale in early... October mm. and preview performances by the way start in March so you could see this thing as early as then but because of the expected demand they are going to be selling tickets through the Ticketmaster Verif- verified fan program and this is a way to prevent bots from buying up the tickets which is good um but it's going to be your if you try to buy tickets in early October you're not going to be guaranteed how it's going to work is between August, October 1st and 5th, you can go and register to be eligible to receive tickets, okay? So you go and you put in like your phone number and your email and your name and stuff. Then there's going to be a lottery, and they are going to randomly select people who are going to be eligible to order tickets on October 12th. In other words, just because you register... That doesn't mean you're going to be able to purchase tickets. It's going to be a lottery system. This is the wombats all over again. This is like only the smartest, only the luckiest yeah. will get through no, this the locked like door. In the... Lincoln so, Center all over again. Remember? Yeah, the Lincoln Center thing. That was awful. And at least they honored the people who who either clicked. Was it they clicked on the wrong link or the tickets were early and people? Well, yeah, they were released was. early from what I remember. And people yeah, went by on accident. bought them up before they yeah. were actually supposed to go on sale but no this isn't new it's something that's being done now for Hamilton and other Broadway plays I think that uh, because at, at work all the time I hear people saying oh, I didn't win the Hamilton lottery again today so <laughs> no, well, soon enough that, you'll hear people say the same thing about Cursed Child actually I know what they're referring to they're referring to the daily lottery that you can enter to win a select number of front row tickets for only 10 bucks I enter that too this is actually the first Broadway show to use the Ticketmaster Verified Fan Program. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and I, and look, it, I'm of, uh, well, no, I hope it works out. I'm of, I'm of two minds on this. On one hand, if they didn't do this, then the bots would take over Ticketmaster, and it would be impossible for regular people to get a ticket. So it's like either you're screwed by the bots, or you're screwed by not winning this ticket, Ticketmaster Verified Fan Program lottery. Skynet. Crush Skynet. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Will it be the same without Albus Severus, actor? Why will, do you keep will, saying we'll... that? He is in this. Uh, oh, I missed it. Was He's it... front and Wait. center right there. Sam Clement. Oh, okay. Albus Potter. You know what? Never mind. <laughs> will it? Will it be? Will Scorbis be the same without Rose to stomp on it? Without the same Rose? Yeah, I thought it was funny that Rose was missing from this lineup because you see mm. Harry and Ginny with Albus. You see Draco 
with Scorpius. And then Ron and Hermione, they have no children, apparently. She's only in like three scenes in the the play anyway. Right. I guess, that's but I mean, I guess you know what it was is there was they wanted to lead with seven because seven's a magically powerful number. Mm. They, like, <laughs> they can always add her later, but for the for the announcement, they were like, no, no, no. Here's here's the seven that are coming. There you go. Yeah. So my suggestion for everybody, and we can talk about this once it gets a little closer too. If you try to get tickets, then uh, you you and your friends should enter to register, so you can hopefully increase your chances of being able to. Having the privilege of purchasing a ticket. Yeah. Eric, you wanted to talk about this next story. I did. Uh, on the uh, same line, sort of, as Cursed Child, we have um, Cursed Child writer Jack Thorne, uh, who is being given the greatest gift in the galaxy. He is asked to repen the script for Star Wars Episode Nine, the film. Uh, and a lot I of people have, weren't happy about this news. Right? I have no idea how this is going to work. I was under the impression that a script was already written. Uh, there was one that was written by the guy who's actually directing, Jurassic World director Colin Trevorrow. The, the, episode 9 is doomed, everyone. Episode 9 <laughs> is utterly, utterly doomed. But anyway, Thorne, uh, Mr. Thorne, Jack Thorne, is being brought in uh, either to rewrite or touch up uh, the script, and that's that's fine. It's it's you know it's always nice when the studio realizes this far in advance that something is not quite where it should be. Um, their decision to bring Jack Thorne in hails from his extensive experience writing for British film and theater. Um, so you know, let's just hope that he's able to provide valuable insight. Although I do feel that several characters in Cursed Child were the mark was missed on them. So I'm just not altogether that hopeful that the Star Wars characters will be paid off in a fruitful way. But there's enough eyes on it, at least, that criticism aside, I do wish him, uh, I hope he does good work. Um, I have a question on this for you, Eric, and um, also Andrew, because you've seen Cursed Child, um, Andrew. I mean, I know that script aside, um, the content but, I mean, he put on a beautiful play, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. That, that's the thing. Um, but Jack Thorne, you know, he was in charge of the dialogue. He was in charge of every line. And he didn't necessarily write the story itself. That came from J.K. Rowling and that other guy, John Tiffany. John Tiffany, yeah. But still, it's worrying people because everybody read the script. They read what he wrote. And everybody They're- just... Now kind of blames him for Chris Child, I guess. Well, I mean, yeah, when you're reading uh, a Harry line that you don't, to your core, agree with, it's a problem. Uh, and there's yeah. more than a, there's more than dozens of those for each character. I feel yeah. in Cursed Child, Jack Thorne, yeah, is also you know he's written a lot of stuff over the years. It's not only Cursed Child. He's also working on an adaptation of The Golden Compass for BBC TV. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's got some other projects. It's not like he's this rogue guy that's... No, again, only... extensive history no in British film and TV. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You said rogue, so... Right, right, oh. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I, I got you. My I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reserve judgment. On Netflix. Actually. Okay. Um, I, I feel like sometimes we uh, 
a little too quick to jump to conclusions, and maybe this is more in his wheelhouse than Cursed Child was. I will say, he's working with a script that Colin Trevorrow and his writing partner already wrote on -hmm. Star Wars. So I guess he could just be punching up Star Wars Episode Nine. I, I will say just the shock that, 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 that hits me about it all is that episode eight of Star Wars is being written and directed by Ryan Johnson, who's one of the greatest film writers in existence today. I mean, coming off of – I first saw The Brothers Bloom with Adrian Brody, Mark Ruffalo, and Rachel Weiss, and I was moved to tears by its complete ability to get inside the head of, as it turns out, brothers who were con men, and it's just such a great – great script for a film and it's such a well shot film and it, it's it's essentially look i mean i just prefer i just seem to prefer like i think ryan johnson is exactly what star wars episode eight needs i'm not sure colin trevorrow uh to start is what episode nine needs so i'm still very 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 worried about the project of episode nine in general episode eight i'm sure will be a massive massive success and exactly what i'm hoping for so it's just the uncertainty we are possibly quick to judge Mm. Mm -hmm. are you gonna plug your podcast now what what, my brother's bloom podcast that i have out there don't you have a star wars podcast uh resistance radio mikey b does (laughs) that's mikey b's podcast it's a it's a hypable podcast uh donya from hypable and Mm -hmm. mikey b of formerly of MuggleCast, uh the yeah the new the new the new dad mikey b congratulations by the way to he and his wife leslie i know we said that on the day uh but uh yeah uh they have a harry potter uh star wars podcast resistance radio you gotta go check that out um, over on Hypable. And speaking of Cursed Child, actually, the rehearsal, the, excuse me, the final edition of Cursed Child came out a couple of weeks ago now. It was released in paperback. So as everybody remembers, they released the rehearsal edition in hardback a full year ago now. I believe it was July 30th or 31st. And uh, we went, we were at GeekyCon. We attended the midnight release party. And that was the day everybody around the world got to enjoy the eighth story. <laughs> and they released that the same day the play officially started. They wanted to get the book out to help prevent spoilers, of course. And um, But that wasn't the final version of the script because right. that was being published while they were still rehearsing. So the final edition, like I said, was published in paperback. It has a couple extra features. It's got a Harry Potter family tree. It's got a conversation between Jack Thorne and John Tiffany about screenwriting or script or what a playwriting and there's one other thing oh a timeline of events of the first seven harry potter books to catch people up i guess i don't know so i was super curious and i think a lot of other people were as well what are the differences between the rehearsal edition of the book and the final edition of the book were there changes why'd they republish this why not just call the original one the final edition if no changes is the owl mentioned is the owl still mentioned? I honestly can't even remember. I don't remember if it's <laughs> what in kind the of detailed edition. evaluation is this? So here's the thing: I started off um, writing down, transcribing, copying every difference that I found in the final edition. I had the two books sitting on top of each other, and I was comparing page by page, and it was sort of easy because they were, the books were laid out exactly the same. And I was dreading doing this, by the way, <laughs> because it's just such tedious work. 
<laughs> but I was super curious. I knew other people were too. And I was like, if you want something done right, do it yourself, as the saying goes. So, so there were a bunch of minor cue changes. That was one of the biggest things. And by changes, I mean they added more detail in the scene descriptions. And that's either because they wanted the readers to better understand what was going on, or they wanted to set in stone certain moods, certain settings for future versions of this play, let's say it goes to other parts of the world, to base their story on. So it was a lot of that. And at first I, I was taking, I was writing down every single comparison. And I was like, you know what, these are so minor, I can't sit here and do every one. So I offered some examples in a hypable article I that I published comparing the differences. But there were a couple of dialogue changes. Very few. Very few. It seems like with the rehearsal edition, when that was when this thing finally started rehearsals, they were dialogue and story wise, they were set in stone. Um first of all, and this broke my heart as a Scorbis shipper, um, they cut out a little extra line from Albus that he says to Scorpius in the rehearsal edition. It goes, it goes, um, Albus says, in fact, you're probably the best person I know. And you don't, you couldn't hold me back. You make me stronger. And when dad forced us apart without you, then Scorpius says, I didn't much like my life without you in it either. (gasps) True romance. And then in the final edition, they cut out, the moment where Albus says, you're probably the best person I know. They cut out that line. Why? Why? The whole thing? Does he then still say... He that- still says, uh, and you don't, you couldn't hold me back. You make me stronger. And when yeah. dad forced us apart. So, and Scorpius still says, I didn't like my life so without you in it either. It's weird they cut off the first part. You're probably the best person I know. Yeah, he is like, the best. Why? He's the only person Albus Severus knows that isn't his family in that play. Are they trying to dumb down the hints of it getting gay? Like what? I don't. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I, can't I don't know. Out. Rose probably says the line now later on in the <laughs> script. Maybe. Um, and then, Mo- well, Andrew, we're just lucky that we have your fan fiction. Yes, exactly. Thank you, Cherise. And then uh, I'm going to release a final edition of my fan fiction <laughs> where Albus does cor- call him the best person he knows. <laughs> it, also in the final edition, um, Moaning Myrtle hits on Harry a tad less. In the rehearsal, she says, I think it was a secret, but I could never keep anything from you, Harry. How is it you've grown handsomer and handsomer as you've aged? And you're taller. Oh my God. They cut out the end your taller line in the final edition. <laughs> and then finally, um, Ron and Hermione shippers, they got a little extra bone. In the final edition, we learned that their love is, quote, true and total, it says in the description. And Hermione delivers both the son and daughter lines now, as opposed to each of them noting a kid. In the rehearsal edition, it goes... Let's keep them here and give the boy the chance, best chance we can. Ron looks at her and then nods sadly. Hermione replies, a daughter. Ron says, and a son. I like that idea too. Then in the final edition, Hermione says, a daughter and a son, instead of Ron saying, and a son. So, (laughs) nothing big as you can see. Yeah. But there were some changes. I went through the book. You're welcome. 
I'm re- thank you. Honestly, thank you. Uh, everybody, please give Andrew a round of applause. No, no. I returned and so I finished, and then I took my final edition, the paperback edition, straight back to Target and got my ten bucks back. <laughs> I don't need both. I'm not clapping for that. Um, but uh, you, you did it. You did it. You seriously, you did great. You know, you put in the hard work. It's like just like. Old times, what you have to do for a story, right? Make one. Somebody had to do it, Eric. Did you sign it before you returned it, at least? <laughs> no. I kept no. it in very good condition. Yeah. Though the book, for some reason, it, the design of the cover, it like purposely looks a little torn up. And and uh, so when I brought it back, Target, they never ask questions about why you're returning something. Um, but she's <laughs> looking at the book. She's looking at the tears. But they're just fake tears. Like printed onto the cover, but it is convincing. I was fooled too. Huh. Anyway, that's what's going on there. So, um, for our main discussion this week, we are going to talk about Harry Potter and consumerism and merchandising. As the Wizarding World has continued to expand, there's been more and more merchandise and books. You go into like um, you go into the mall and like Hot Topic and these other stores, they have these whole Harry Potter sections. And it's actually really cool. They they create some really cool shirts these days mm-hmm. for young adults. Um, and then you go into Barnes & Noble and you see that whole Fantastic Beast section and Harry Potter section. But is it too much? And do we like it? Right. We're going to answer these questions today. But first, I have a staggering number for you all. I found an article... From the Atlantic. Um, And it was actually based on an exclusive from Deadline. Back in 2011, Deadline learned Harry Potter, the the Harry Potter um, Empire's numbers in terms of income. As of 2011, the Harry Potter Empire was a $21 billion business. And, of course, so that's way before Fantastic Beasts was even announced. Wow. And this doesn't even include the core books. Book sales are not included in here. So I have a question for you guys. Of that $21 billion, what percentage of that do you think is merchandise? So the shirts, the toys, Well, what all else that. falls into the 21? Is it Wizarding World? I'll give you other categories. Uh, video sales and rentals, that's a separate category. TV, I don't know what that would be. That's a separate mm-hmm. category. Video games, that's separate, so don't include that in the merchandise. Mm-hmm. Box office, that's separate. So those are the categories. I'm going to guess 78%. I'll go with 52. I'll go with 70. Uh, you guys are um, all wrong, but it it is the majority of the pie. It's 33%. Of, of that $21 billion dollars is merchandise. Yeah. So do the math on that. What's that? It's like $7 billion about? Yeah. That's a lot of money. And that's Video in 2011. Games, you're right. Yeah. Video games took up 7%. The U.S. box office took up 9%. The global box office took up 21%. TV took up 5%. Video sales and rentals took up 20%. Can I click it's, the link now? Yeah, sure. Go for oh, it. Oh, there's a nice little pie chart. Oh, that's yeah, very isn't helpful. isn't that nice? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at this pie chart, merchandise is the biggest piece of pie. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. 
so and th- and this explains why there's more and more merchandise i would say i mean i would say there's do you guys think there's more merchandise now than there was for fantastic beasts or sorry uh, was for oh, harry potter yes i mean walk into hot topic and that's what you see Sharice, yeah. I'm so glad you brought up Hot Topic. I was at uh, Harry Potter Trivia um, on Wednesday of last week, and uh, the fellow Harry Potter fans I was with, uh, might as well shout them out, Lauren, Catherine, Schmidt, uh, my old friends, were talking about Hot Topic, and basically Catherine was wearing a uh, Hufflepuff it was like a um a shawl or like a like just like a thin like sweater all around and it, what she was talking about was how hot topic gradually like like everything like the wizarding world theme park when they first opened only had gryffindor stuff uh or gryffindor and slytherin but what she was telling me how it's it's now expanded to be equal parts hufflepuff and ravenclaw as well yeah and you know i've seen just through browsing or walking past hot topic that they the the amount of stuff the amount of different things that they have that's now the official harry potter brand merchandise is indeed staggering it's insane what you can get um you know with harry potter on it. That's a good point about the house stuff. I think it took them a while, but they finally realized that people are connected to all the Hogwarts houses, not just Gryffindor. Not just Gryffindor, exactly. And I think that's <laughs> so that would definitely account for, you know, has is there more merchandise now than there was before? Yes, they've just added in Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw, everything else. So if you've had mugs and, um, you know, pillows and shawls and who knows what else, you know. Mm-hmm. Now you can get Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw as well as Hogwarts Crest, as well as, you know, any of the... I, I thought, to be honest, I was, you know, excuse my ignorance, I thought Hot Topic was really just Death Eater stuff um, mm-hmm. to start. But, <laughs> Why? Because uh, of just the vibe you get from Hot Topic? The vibe I get from Hot... The, the faint weed smell in the background of every store. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you know... Death, I Death Eaters love pot. <laughs> yeah. In case you didn't know. Yeah, They've, but... They, Hot Topic's been trying to get away from... The emo stuff. They're they're more of a pop culture place now. You can get like Stranger Things stuff in there. And Funkos. So many oh, Funkos. So many Funkos. So many Funkos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been there for just Funkos before. Um but no, I mean so hot if to- if Hot Topic is a uh, small sample size, you know, accurate sampling of Harry Potter merchandise worldwide, I think you can very clearly see how it is just running rampant still to this day. It's been I wanted to say seven years since the last film came out on, um, you know, Blu-ray, DVD. Of course, there is Fantastic Beasts now, which there's a ton of Fantastic Beasts merchandise everywhere uh, as well. And the Noble Collection's fired back up. But really, just Harry Potter, it's not... The merchandise aspect of it is not dying down at all. And then Ilvermorny, too. I would assume that there's got to be a ton of opportunity there, similar to Hogwarts. Obviously not as popular. Yeah. But they I haven't done Ilvermorny anything. Mm. Ilvermorny wasn't in the that movie. That they haven't. No. Nothing at all. Mm. And and that is some, that's another no-brainer, I would think. People in America would love to wear an Ilvermorny sweater because it, it's in a, the American Wizarding School. I want a Letterman jacket. I want a Letterman jacket with uh, Thunderbird on it. Well, you got to make your own. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing. Is go to the I, restaurant, I to, Eric. They have them. Yeah. Go to Utah. Just, you you could definitely gotta, find a leather jacket with a Thunderbird on it. Buying my ticket now. Well, <laughs> I'll bring you all one at uh, MuggleNet Live. I'll and go to Utah. I'm also just thinking about 
the amount of merchandise that the stores inside the Wizarding World must sell. You think about how many thousands of people each day must come oh, through God. those two areas of both Universal and, and Islands of Adventure and buy merchandise just, Earrings, just to pins, have it. buttons, uh, polos, mugs. Because... And and part of the reason, I think, is because of how pop culture has become cool. Like, Comic-Con used to be, oh, that's a nerd thing. Who goes right. to stuff like that? Losers. Now, Comic-Con and, you know, everything at Comic-Con, all movies, Harry Potter, Star Wars, all the other things, it's cool to wear Star Wars stuff. It's cool to wear Harry Potter stuff. It It didn't always... It wasn't always that way. So, anyone can go into... Let's not... There are other stores. We keep referencing Hot Topic. I can't remember yeah. the names of them, though. Um, there's one called, like, Box, something Box. Um, it's like it's just like Hot Topic. It's all pop culture stuff, but it's not... It doesn't have an emo theme like Hot Topic does. But anyway, um, people buy this stuff because they are proud of their love for their fandoms. So I think yeah. in a lot of ways, there's a really big opportunity here for um, merchandise sales to continue growing. <laughs> Not that it benefits any of us, but Catherine C said Box Lunch. A... Thank you, Gina and Christina. Oh, Box and Lunch. Kath- Catherine C says uh on Patreon on the comment thread, I actually just got a top from Hot Topic that has the herbology plants on it. I mean, what a deep cut, right? What a deep yeah. cut mandrakes and uh um they have Mandra- so Mandra- many Gore. cool things. Like they have like a, a t shirt that just says always. They have a shirt with all the hollows on it. It's like yeah. it's only stuff you would appreciate if you were an actual Harry Potter fan. So I love going into these stores that sell this merchandise and, and that's, browsing it myself. That's I think the crux of sort of what we wanted to talk about too in, 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 in the main discussion for this episode is, you know, there's clearly something out there for everybody and there's also somebody out there for everything. Right? Like mm-hmm. it's 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 there's going to be somebody for whom the top with the herbology plants on it is, you know, their number one find, their most prized possession, which we asked people about. But what got me thinking about, you know, talking about consumerism in general is we actually had um, patrons write in on our Facebook group, you know, sharing pictures of their cherished item. Like before we even asked, we heard uh, from two of our patrons who wrote in about, you know, these books that I had never even heard of. Uh, which is one's like a film projection book, uh, and the other one is sort of a would-be movie. It's called like a movie scrapbook encyclopedia. We'll talk about them in a minute, but I'm just like, you know, fans are writing in, listeners are writing in and saying, I got this really cool, you know, official Harry Potter merchandise the other day. Did you know this was a thing? And no, we didn't. It's so, like, it's next to impossible to keep track of everything that's out there in the market it's it's if you just do a, a search in Barnes and Noble it's insane what turns up or if you just go in 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 into the store itself and and look at the tables and how mm-hmm. the tables that they have dedicated to Harry Potter they probably have at least two at this point if your Barnes and Noble is worth anything uh they'll have two entire you know displays with sticker books and all sorts of other you know pop-ups and things tie-ins and bookmarks and Oh gosh, it's insane! Board games—it's it's so massive and out of control. But again, if we're buying it, if we like it, it they, how can we say anything against it? It's also like I'm looking at the hot topic stuff now. They do a lot of sporty stuff, like like you know Hogwarts Quidditch. It looks like a real college shirt or a sweatshirt or sweatpants. 
Oh, like it, yeah. Oh, some of these are so cool. So I wonder if the college Quidditch teams then are utilizing like Hot Topic and then getting like their <laughs> names on the back of the. Well, I, I wonder, right? Um, yeah. There's a shirt for women. It's a muscle top for women. It has the actual Harry Potter U.S. covers on it, and they're just kind of like it. It it's like a a mashup of all of them. They're just scattered all around the shirt. That's the first time I've actually seen an official piece of merchandise with the original book covers on it. Like that's hmm. really cool. Yeah. I love that. Also the original a key piece here though is what's authentic and what's not authentic. And and how much does the person who is consuming or purchasing actually care about that, right? So things like the Noble Collection uh and an official Harry Potter merchandise versus some of the other things that have been talked about whereas they're not as mainstream and they're a little bit, you know, maybe they're made by uh, somebody who's just really passionate about the series and creates stuff on their own to sell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's some cool um, stuff. I have, a, I have something to go along with that, Micah. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen, um, it's been really popular uh, selling online, the cards against muggles. Mm, yeah. 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 It's uh... like cards against humanity, but, Harry Potter version. Yeah. yeah. Do you that play games? Uh, oh, did you? Um, I I bought it and I printed them off and cut them off because um, you have to. It's a digital file. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, <laughs> some of them are so hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to check that out. I mean, that's the other side of the fandom too, which is that fans themselves are creating merchandise, which is, uh, you know, apart from not being officially licensed, is in many ways exactly the kind of merch we would like to see. Um, I have my, I have my picket, for instance, my picket, uh, the the from from Fantastic Beasts, my living, breathing picket that I keep with me at all times. Um, it's living I, and breathing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Which I got. I mean, I assume it's one of those things where. It's like Toy Story, where if you look at it, it doesn't move, but then otherwise he's he's around. So and you I, keep I, it with you at all times. I mean, he's in my living room, but oh. you know, always, I'm always <laughs> home. I'm always in my, in my oh, apartment. But anyway, but anyway, but that's an Etsy find, and you know, it, it's really just it's it's the fan creativity, and and you know, is sort of a different topic too to what we're talking about because the Warner Brothers themselves is not directly benefiting from the sales of that merchandise but it's absolutely you know you get really good quilts really good handcrafted you know pillows and all, all this other stuff that wait, wait why are they not benefiting well they're bent oh you mean the fan-made stuff the fan-made stuff sorry is sorry, not okay. benefiting warner Bros. it's not contributing yeah. to the 21 billion dollar in 2011 industry uh of it all but it's it's just insane how much is is really out there uh that's mm-hmm. officially licensed the and the thing is, I mean, I I don't know what the rules are exactly, but Warner Brothers could come after some people on Etsy. I think, yeah, if, if they wanted, because they all this stuff is trademarked, you know, stuff that says Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, blah blah blah. So you got to kind of be careful too. I've seen like a flower bouquet that takes the actual pages of the Harry Potter books with the font on it and like turns it into flowers. You know, in the way that you fold paper to make roses and stuff. Yeah, it's insane. Hmm. Um, So I have another question. Just to um, kind of go along with that, I'm a crafty person. uh, And a year and a half ago, I did a Harry Potter baby shower for one of my friends. Hmm. And I crocheted 
the sorting hat and a crochet dobby. That's awesome. So, I mean, there's so much out there just um, that is not licensed, but yeah. Shh, don't it's let amazing. Here. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to ask, have has there ever been something you've seen, official merchandise that has gone too far? Because you also have to remember that all this merchandise goes through Team Warner Brothers, Team J.K. Rowling. Everything gets individually approved because they want to keep up some quality control. They don't want to take things too far. They don't want to cheapen the brand. Have you guys ever seen something where it's like, okay, that is stupid. Why Why is that a thing? I mean, again, talking about this might not have even been Barnes and Noble. This might have been Borders, but way back when there were like these um, little sticker rolls that you could get with Harry Potter's. Like, like they were the world's tiniest stickers, and they would come maybe ten or twelve on a roll that would be in like a square box that was very heavily licensed and branded Warner Brothers. And I've always wondered, sort of, what the point was to that, or maybe it was just that I wasn't the kind of person who collected stickers at that time but there, there's been throughout you know a, a lot of those those things where you you pay maybe like eight bucks for them and they're just not substantial like the books and everything are are i think at least entertaining for a read but there's been occasionally just you know very light sticker sets and things that have just been like well this isn't enough to really justify the cost or to excite me or to do much for me Catherine, who's listening live brings up one we spoke about a few months ago the vibrating broomstick (laughs) (laughs) i still want one of those i think kids must have been pretty sad weren't you weren't you gonna buy one well i i am looking for one yeah i mean i saw one on ebay but it was a little out of my price range oh right i remember now check the po box you never know what'll show up i did get a package (laughs) i haven't gone yet i did get something over the weekend so yeah there's there's one um there's one that's 88 dollars on ebay right now does it work? Batteries included? It says working. Yep. Mm, okay. Yeah. That's kind of cool. I'll, I'll, a housewarming gift for myself in the future. I, I, <laughs> I'm glad to see this still on eBay, though. Um, I remember back with Chamber of Secrets, they were, they were getting a little too crazy, and I don't think you would see this anymore. Um, there was, and I think we've brought these up a while ago, too, Harry Potter, um, there were grapes that had Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets labels. I don't remember this at all. <laughs> I think you can Google images Harry Potter grapes. Uh, maybe not, but so, I, I remember these in the food store, and I think there was a picture online. But um, yeah, they were selling grapes of some company, and they had you know Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets in 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 theaters soon. And then there was also the Harry Potter labeled Coca-Cola, glass Coca-Cola bottles, which I still have. I'm sitting right near them, actually. It's a six-pack of Coca-Cola That's glass cool, bottles. Though. Yeah, it is cool. Coke, uh, is so, Coke is so iconic. It reminds me of the um, Mountain Dew or Dr. Pepper that like Star Wars did, like episode one. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. could get like... I found it, Andrew. There's actually... So I found Prisoner of Azkaban grapes. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe it was Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, it says own it on it's red seedless grapes. It's the label net weight two pounds, nine hundred seven grams, and it's Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban with the trio's faces on mm-hmm. it. And it says own it on DVD eleven twenty three. I think those grapes 
really made the film a hit. Mm. <laughs> or well, did the film make grapes the hit? Parents, right? Yeah. If in, if it was yeah. in the supermarket, you know, you, it's just something that keeps the film top of mind. Hey, Harry Potter's coming out, or I don't, I don't know. Yeah, these days it's much more common to find cereal that's just like it's you know your generic cereal. But the it's not just somebody on the cover of Wheaties. You know this at this time it's just cereal that's made specifically for a movie, and you can buy that movie's cereal. Mm-hmm. Like it's your random wheat. And I saw as recently as Star Wars Rogue One, um, the most recent Star Wars film. I saw bottled water with the stormtroopers on it on the beach, and I'm like, wow! Straight from the the beach uh, in the movie is this bottled water. Um, you know, it's just kind of it's funny um, the way we play with fictional universes and real life sustaining water. Um, but it's it's tied in stuff. Stuff like that is cheesy, though. I hate when they go too far. Like, there's these car deals with movies sometimes. Like, the Star Wars Rogue One Chrysler. Or the Jurassic <laughs> World Mazda. Um, <laughs> yeah, so those are the only two weird products I can think of. Tessa, who's listening live, reminds me of something funny. She says, I love all the old school merchandise before all the books and movies were out. Stuff that had Mary Grand Prix illustrations, like the old board games. There's little plastic stones, etc. Yeah, there really was a lot of good stuff early on, particularly from Hallmark, the card store. They used to have a whole Harry Potter section, and they had some great stuff that I still still have. They had a headwig you could hang from your ceiling. They had Harry Potter bookends, which I still have. Um, And I don't know if it was Mary Grand Prix illustrations, but it was it was it was like original interpretations of. Harry, Ron, and Hermione, and it was cool. Do we think that... And another big element are all the spinoffs, spinoff books. And with yeah. Fantastic Beasts, there are a lot of them. If you go on barnesandnoble.com, you'll see 16 books for sale. Um, one of them is The Case of Beasts that Charisse mentioned. And then there's coloring books. There's uh, other guides to beasts. There's yeah. a calendar. There's a sketchbook. There's a character guide. It's like, and of course, the screenplay. Does it cheapen the core books when you see so many other of these? And a lot of them are dumb Harry Potter books. So the two people who wrote in, um, please forgive me in advance if I butcher your name. Uh, I actually looked up pronunciations. Mevhaib, Mevibe. Uh, Sinar wrote in um, and said... She said, my daughter and I are freaking out over this book. It is really cool. It explains the wizarding world so far and has little things that make me weep with joy. She's speaking about J.K. Rowling's wizarding world, The Dark Arts, a movie scrapbook. And apparently this scrapbook comes with explanation about the storyline of the movies from Fantastic Beasts all through Harry Potter and contains actual like wanted posters that come out that you can just pull out of the book. Mm Mm-hmm. And the other person who wrote in, Ali Frega, says, My brother bought this uh, for me for my birthday. It's full of projection stills from the Wizarding World. Shine a flashlight through it, and you'll be able to project them onto the wall. The name of that book is J.K. Rowling's Wizarding World Creatures. There's also a book for Patronuses. <laughs> now, I mean, click on the link. I encourage you guys, look at this book. 
and it's I, I think it shows you a picture of Dobby or Allie included a picture of Dobby. It's it's like you would uh, get like a transparency in like high school to like, like a projector. put on a projector. To projector, you shine a flashlight through, and there all of a sudden, whoa! There's Dobby on the bed, or rounding the corner on your bedroom wall well, or why? wherever you're. Proje- well, why not? I, I don't. Well, that's exactly <laughs> why. Why? What's who is this bringing joy to? But you know what? Then I noticed the thread of what both Mevhib and Ali said. You know, Ali said, my brother bought me this for my birthday. And Mevhib said, my daughter and I are freaking out. This is a family affair, you guys. Harry Potter merchandise is a family experience. My daughter, my brother, this, that, for us, for we take joy out of this. I think it's, there's definitely a different kind of feeling if you get it from somebody, you know, whether it's a family member, whether it's a friend, whether it's a significant other. So it, it means more. And I think, you know, there's definite good intent on the person who's going out and getting it, they probably don't know any different unless they're a crazy Potter fan uh, like some of us are. But uh, I, I just think it comes down to you, do you feel the need to have to own it? Like it, It's great that they're creating all these different things, but at the end of the day, unless you're a, a collector, unless you're going to log all this stuff and try and have it accrue value over time so maybe at some point you can sell it off to do all these little things really i don't know like the, pro- the projection book them? baffles me it baffles me i just can't even the projection book who would have who at wb who runs warner brothers product that is thinking this is what we need in this world is is like you take like a, a pencil outline of like a coloring book make it transparent and then so that somebody who has who carries flashlights these days? I guess if you'd use your phone um, to project on a wall, and there's like three lines of dialogue beneath every still that explain what's going on in that scene. If it brings a Harry Potter fan joy, I try not, with the exception of Cursed Child, to knock it. But you know, I, I just I can't see myself myself personally picking yeah. this up in the store and 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 buying it. And I think that's. You know what it comes down to. We have to adopt more of a live and let live philosophy when it comes to some of this merchandise, but it's making people happy. So maybe it's not so bad. Um, Eric, as a mom, um, when I clicked on the link on the projectant projector, I mean, that's a good way for parents to share their love of Harry Potter to little ones because, I mean, they would like to shine the flashlight at it I, and whatnot. Yeah. So I mean, I can see it from that point of view too i mean i do agree that when you got the 20th book of behind the movie scene stuff yeah it's going way too far um but they're just trying to get something for everyone i mean it's all about the money you know Although, Sharice, you do bring up a perfect like, perfect point of the added level of interactivity that the projection book requires allows somebody like a parent and a kid to interact with the medium in a new way. Like, it, yeah. I, just, I just thought of my friends who have like a one and two year old who would absolutely – and I've been longtime Harry Potter fans and would love a book like this. In fact, now I know what I'm going to get them for their kid's next birthday. Um, I mean, kids, really. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry Uncle Eric is going to – I mean, look, look like it's Dobby on the wall. Like they'll be blown away. It's Dobby on one page and the Niffler on the other, which is anachronistic. Let's move on. Take it. Yeah. Let's okay. move on. This okay. is too okay. much time about this one book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. 
One very good area of the Harry Potter merchandising world, I feel, is the Funko Pop vinyls. Yeah. They can make a billion of those, and I would still say there aren't enough. Everybody loves those Funko Pop Funko Pop vinyls. They're those little two, three-inch figurines, and they cover all fandoms, really. It took Harry Potter a little while to get on that train, but now there's multiple waves of Harry Potter. There's a couple of Fantastic Beasts waves, too. Um, and they're fun to collect, and they're fun to um, put on a shelf with other characters from fandoms that you love. Yeah. I really I, I want the Akami one. You do? I, I mean, I beautiful. mostly have Funkos from Game of Thrones. I do have a couple, mm-hmm. I think, from Potter. I know at least one is Voldemort uh, that is sitting on my desk right here. Uh, yeah, but they're kind of a cool collector's item, and it's something easy. doesn't take a whole lot to display it, and I think you know, you're know you constantly waiting for a new one to come out, or, or you know, especially with all these new movies that are going to be released uh, for F- Fantastic Beasts. It, it's it's a no-brainer for them to 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 continue to make them and to to continue to make ones from the earlier Potter series. I know they haven't really probably done as many as they could have. Uh, Gina on comments uh, said Funko Pops are the Beanie Babies of this generation, and I love them. Actually, uh, well, I disagree that they're Beanie Babies because these are characters that you you love. Oh, Whereas Beanie Babies, they were just like random colors and patterns yeah they forced you to care about them by doing a little bio but these are characters you already care about because you connect with the series right so i don't i think that i don't i I could i could be very wrong on this but i don't think funkos are a fad (laughs) right i might be wrong have they transcended the fad thing now well you'll just always i think if you're buying these funkos you will care about these characters for a long time like we all know we'll care about harry potter for a long time so those Funkos will still be cool to us. They may not hold their value, but they're they're yeah. cute. There's something about them, and I, it just plays with the human brain. And they're just like I saw a Hey Hey one from Moana, and I was just like, I need this in my <laughs> in my life, right? And I'm like, no, I don't even. I mean, the movie's great, but like I, I wouldn't buy them all. But the Hey Hey one, like they're just they're cute. They're adorable. You you have to put them on display and make them kiss. I don't know. It's weird. Whoa! Well, I don't do that with mine, but you do whatever. You, you never want make with yours. Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker kiss. No, no, I can't no, say. I have. Sorry. Okay. But if they make Albus and Scorpius Funkos, then then I'll start doing. I that. do. I do have Rainbow Batman. That's cool. <laughs> um, let's talk about the core books. Do they need to stop releasing different editions of these books now? We have the illustrated edition. We have the anniversary editions. The house editions. The yeah, various paperbacks, this, the adult this, edition. Surely this is a failed merchandising thing. Like surely by now, because there's been a couple of like 10th anniversary ones where they stopped doing the 10th anniversary ones. I assume they didn't meet sales figures to have them keep doing that. But Scholastic and, and, and Bloomsbury need to catch wise. I, I just don't know who's going to buy every single edition because they're just – they haven't paced themselves well. As far as the books are concerned, in my opinion – they they release them far too early, and I'm not buying any of the new covers that come out. The illustrated edition, that's wholly different. I will buy one of each of those. But, you know, on the most part, if they're just redesigning a cover, which uh, in Britain they've been through even more than they have been uh, be- 
in the U.S. because they redesigned both the adult and children's editions. There were always more book covers over there. But, you know, even in Scholastic is, is probably on its third or fourth run at this point of same book, different covers. Sharice, are you getting the illustrated editions? How, how old are your kids? Um, my I have a two-year-old and a 16-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, we're actually foster parents. Oh, okay. So um, I've had different ages in my house. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really like the illustrated editions. It's It really brings it to life. Yeah. Yeah, and those are great for kids, as uh, we've brought up before. Great way to introduce kids to the Harry Potter series. Yeah. When you bring in these foster kids, I hope you are converting them to the world of Harry Potter. I try my hardest, Andrew. <laughs> I have a, I call it my mom, my mom bookshelf, and like two whole shelves of it is just Harry Potter stuff. Oh, that's wow. awesome! That's a great idea, the mom bookshelf. <laughs> So to wrap up this discussion, I thought we could each develop what we think are two good ideas for new pieces of Harry Potter merchandise. And then we can take turns voting on on um, which idea should go to mass market mm-hmm. of the two ideas that each of us is proposing. This is a fun so, game. Your first one. So, <laughs> oh, wait. Are we not, not supposed to vote? Not kid friendly. Not, not yet. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, kids, you may want to pull out your earbuds for the next minute or two. Um, so, first of all, I think there should be official Harry Potter condoms, and they should be called Protect Your Wand. <laughs> J.K. Rowling's audience is young adults, so teach them how to be responsible. Make it fun and easy. And you can buy different characters' wands. Wouldn't that be fun? Anything that any when it comes to making something like sex fun and easy, you get a lot of detractors, a lot of people not very happy with you. I, 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 I'm not behind this uh, product at all. It will only be controversial. Also, the average wand in the Harry Potter books is like eleven inches, so I just don't think that a character having character wand <laughs> is going to be. It's, it gets into this whole thing that I don't think I need to explain. I'd, I'd like the well, idea as a as a laugh, but um. and the reason I had this idea was because um, at the Harry Potter conferences, some of these, some I can't remember who exactly, but they were handing out condoms, and on the on on the condoms there were these stickers that said "Protect Your Wands," <laughs> and I actually found one the other day because I was going through my old you kept conference them. It's bags. In a, uh, album of yours with like all these items that you've collected from potter yeah. events over the years yeah i display it right next to my signed jk rowling book uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well i will say no and i mean look handing out handing out condoms at, at public events are signed they're scientifically proven to reduce pregnancy like there's no there's no bad side to it like i understand that jk rowling uh, or lumos or or you know somebody would want to promote health and promote birth control because getting it is 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 so hard uh for some people so it's very useful uh james actually suggested a brand name for you andrew uh he calls it shield charm oh that's a good one yeah 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 so uh but tessa just says no andrew okay so how about this idea (laughs) official fantastic beast pet merchandise halloween costumes like an Akami, a Niffler, a Phoenix. 
There's like like for Star Wars, there's Star Wars pet costumes. You can get a BB-8 one for your dog. I bought that. So I, why not turn I, your pet into a Fantastic Beast too? I love this idea. I'm voting okay. for this. And you can also do some collars. Like there should definitely be like a fluffy collar or even dog toys. Like where are the Harry Potter themed dog toys? It would be adorable if you could put a collar on your dog that would give it two more heads and then the dog would just freak out because yeah. peripheral vision was blocked. Yeah, that dog. People would have eat- made those themselves. I've seen a fluffy <laughs> Halloween costume. If you Google image search it, you'll you'll find it. I think. Mm-hmm. Okay, so which which idea should go to market? The pet, the pet, uh, pet, pet costume stuff. Sure, said yes, Micah? for sure. The pet merch isn't pet merchandise. No, I'm going to go with the condoms. Oh, okay. okay. Yes, <laughs> I think they would. You'd sell a lot more of them. <laughs> All right, Eric, what are your ideas? Okay, so uh, nothing as adult as your ideas. I have the crowd pleaser here to lead off with, Florian Fortescue brand ice cream. Yay. Okay. So uh, while it's true that some flavors exist now at the theme parks, uh, is there Florian Fortescue's in L.A., Andrew? No. Oh, okay, so just in Orlando then. Um, they have the real ice cream, the strawberry peanut butter, which definitely is a flavor that did not exist, did not, repeat, did not exist before the theme park was made. They were very happy to premiere strawberry peanut butter ice cream in the Wizarding World theme park. And things like Earl Grey and lavender uh, ice cream, which you can get at the park, now rolled out nationwide, much like you'd get your Starbucks brand iced coffee just in the cooler at your local supermarket you're in chicago jewel osco um you know just like you do that they would have it but for ice cream um harry potter brand ice cream is my first idea what do you guys think um yes i do think they need to i do think they need to bring some ice cream to the stores why not what's your other idea my other idea is a little bit strange have you guys seen those ads probably on facebook for masterclass uh, mm-hmm. Where they have like a major yep. screenwriter, actor, director teaching online classes. I thought it would be cool to have all of the uh, adult British actors reprise their roles as <laughs> Hogwarts professors and teach a master class on subjects found in the Harry Potter books. Um, so, I mean, but also like it wouldn't all be fake. It would be sort of like where those subjects tie into real world um, so, you know, if we got Horace Slughorn, Jim Broadbent to teach potions, he would actually be talking about, um, science, you know, chemicals, that sort of thing. Um, you know, Professor Sprout, Marion Margulies talking about plants would be awesome. You know, she would ham it up. And Robbie Coltrane talking about caring for live beasts would be delightful. Maybe Newt Scamander could stop by or Luna Lovegood. You never know. Um, that's my second idea is to do a Hogwarts teacher's master class. Um, I can't see the teachers coming back, so I'm going to vote for the ice cream one. Okay. Yep. I like that. Ice cream. Okay. okay. All right. All right. So, uh, a couple of, uh, ideas here. Uh, Potter themed punching bags. Uh, you know, maybe <laughs> some anger to get out, Micah. Well, look, I mean, if we can do condoms, why not punching bags? <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, no, just hear me out for a second. Uh, okay. Maybe you don't like the character. Maybe you dislike the actor. Uh, either way, staring at their annoying face is easy motivation to help you throw some jabs and get into great shape. 
I love it. We need a Goblet of Fire Dumbledore one. Everybody can get our own rage. I was actually thinking that about line. that. Poor Michael Gambon. <laughs> But actually, this one may be uh, more up your guys' alley. Uh, Talking Harry Potter portraits. Obviously, they're in the series. Uh, They can compliment, lob insults at, or engage your house or apartment guests in meaningless conversation as your guests try and find the bathroom. That'd be great. Yeah. Especially if you could be the hanging portrait and say stuff yourself. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Why does it it doesn't have to be terrible today? You know, that would be like a digital picture frame sort of thing where you could like you could just put yourself in it, you know, and, and say things. I, I want a mirror that says tuck your shirt in scruffy. That's what I want. <laughs> you know, there was actually um, and I think Hallmark was selling this a portrait of the fat lady and it was like a foot a foot tall. And I think it was motion activated. And so you would get near it and they would say something. There was also a button on the frame to make it talk. And it was just, you know, it was a physical toy. It wasn't like a high-tech digital screen or anything. Yeah. Uh, but I think the mouth would move up and down. I need to find that, see if I still have it. It would be like a Billy the Big Mouth Bass, but for Hogwarts right. portraits. Exactly. That's exactly the same, same mm-hmm. thinking. Yeah. That's a great idea, Micah. I'm going to vote for the talking portraits. Me too. Me three. Nice. All right, Cherries. Finally, what are your ideas? Um... A virtual reality game slash tour of Newt's case. I think it'd be kind of neat um, how they have the goggles now that you can hook your phone up to and it's like you're there. I think it'd be so neat to be able to tour Newt's case and act like you're feeding the animals oh. and things like that. Mm. I like, I like that. that. Yeah. And then the second one, as I mentioned earlier, I'm crafty and I like to sew and stuff. I know that they have generic costumes that you can improvise on and make them Harry Potter. But I think it'd be kind of neat if they had actual licensed patterns. Because, like, how you just did the Lockhart, Eric. Yeah. Um, it would be pretty neat that you can buy the patterns from WB or whoever and be able to make them. I wonder, I mean, things like the, the fabric that they use for the movies, they're working on a film's budget, uh, which is mil- in the millions of dollars. So I think a lot of the actual materials that are used for the costumes would be simply inapproachable by the public. Um, well, they could just make cheap alternatives. Uh, maybe, but then you're you're taking the work out of the people like Twin Roses Designs who made my Gilderoy uh, costume quite expertly. And so, yeah, I'll always side with the individual, you know, costume makers and designers substituting fabrics based on what's available on the, you know, ream. Um, but I can see the value in having uh, – allowing a lot of these costumes, which are um, more obscure or, or, or less conventional – to be more accessible to people who want to make them. I, I think anything that brings a rise in cosplay and imagination is 100% okay in my book. I'm going to vote for the virtual reality one because I also think that could probably happen in the future. We've got four Fantastic Beast movies, and it seems like studios really love doing virtual reality stuff to promote movies because mm-hmm. it's like the cool thing to do right now, virtual reality. I, I'm going to vote for that as well. Uh, I'm going to vote for that as well. Yep. 
Eric was definitely not voting for those patterns. Well, I he doesn't no, want to put people out of business. I don't hate the idea at all. I like, well, yeah, I just, <laughs> I love my costume designer. Um, all right. So we have to let Micah go a little early. Micah, yeah. you have friends or something? Uh, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> he says with hesitation. <laughs> no, good for you. That's nice. Let me know how that, what that's like. Okay. Um, have, uh, have very quickly day. before I go, though, I will answer your next question, which is, um, favorite piece of Harry Potter merchandise that I own that is not a book or a movie. I'm going to go with, I have Fox from the Noble Collection. Oh. Which is a really kind of cool sculpture uh, that yeah. that was done. Um, they actually have a ton of great stuff if you're if you're in the uh, the collection or you're I was gonna say business or you're, if you like to collect things or you know or if you just like to take a look at some cool stuff um, I definitely recommend them but uh, that would be that would be at towards the top of the list. Cool, nice. All right, we'll let you go. Upload right. your audio file. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, bye. <laughs> and then there are three. Charisse, uh, you're replacing Micah full time now. Is Micah awesome. gone yet? Yes, he is. Whew, okay. <laughs> um, his voice was too deep for the show. Anyway, uh, favorite piece of merchandise that we own. We actually went to Twitter to get people's uh, thoughts on this. We got a lot of cool stuff. Maybe we will have to embed some of these tweets into the show notes on the website because people shared a lot of photos as well. Yeah. Uh, how about you two though? What what what's your favorite piece of merchandise that you own? Um, considering I don't have that much more than the books and the movies, uh, my husband likes to pick on me about my love of Harry Potter. <laughs> um, we went to the Wizarding World last summer, and I was able to get Ginny's wand. Oh, nice. Ooh. Have you used it? Have you tried to conjure some spells in the hopes of it uh, working? I did. I took it to uh, when I went and saw Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Oh, that's fun. Did you ever point it at the screen? I tried. Like when Grindelwald came up? Die! (laughs) How about you, Eric? I'm really struggling to find... uh, I'm mostly a guy who has all that fan-made stuff, you know? Like... uh, most of my wands are Olivan's wands, which is the the fan company that did it. And my most prized possession is uh, this poster I have hanging above my bed, which is of Hogwarts. Uh, but I I took the photo at the theme park in Florida, um, so it's kind of, and I blew it up into you know a twenty four by thirty six uh, or larger. I forget what the exact dimensions are, but like I mostly have a lot of the fan stuff and fan costumes and things. Um, I did get James Potter's wand as a gift um, from Steph Falcos, the girl who designed the MuggleCast t-shirts, uh, which was really, really nice. Um, so I do like the James Potter wand. And yeah, I'd have to say the Funkos. Um, I have a couple of uh, Potter Funkos, and I'd say those are probably my f- quickly becoming favorites and replacing and trumping all the other uh, merchandise I've collected over the years. I really like my... Mina Lima prints. I got a second yeah. one recently. My friend surprised me with it. It's the so I had I had the cover of uh, the Life and Lies of Albus Dumbledore by Rita Skeeter, and mm-hmm. it's like it's not just the cover, but it's also the spine and the back cover. And then same concept, but for this book called When Muggles Attack, and it was from 
it's from deathly hallows part one and it has like a muggle on the cover with like with like a, a stick what, what but it's in the shape of a lightning bolt and i guess it's one of those objects that they would have thought like could take the magic out of the person or something like that but it's a cool cover um and it's different and that's why i like it so that's wow. probably my favorite right now i'm, I'm seeing this for the first time the beauty of of art, yeah. I guess it didn't really appear prominently in Deathly Hollows, but it was made for Deathly Hollows. Yeah, it's during one. the misinformation campaign when the Ministry is like telling the public lies about Muggles to help, you know, mm. foster the Muggle hatred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So um, we got some on uh, Twitter.com/slash/MuggleCast. Speaking of fan-made stuff. Um, Cassandra says her favorite object is a broomstick broom, broomstick crafted by the woman who made them for the films. That's really cool. That's, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, uh, Abigail says my golden snitch engagement ring. That's cool. Yeah, that's very cool. I'm sure that's probably fan crafted, uh, but amazing. Um, Harris says my wand and Ministry of Magic passport holder or cover. This is cool. Um, we'll have to include a photo of this. It's a. It's just yeah. It's just your passport book. Your your U.S. regular U.S. passport fits in the the sleeves of it, and it says Ministry of Magic. I'm that actually cool. gonna. I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna find that and get that. Somebody bought the um, uh, the Mina Lima postcard set with a bunch of the book covers, and she hung them all on the wall. There's twelve of them. That's a good idea. That's one of the cheaper things you can buy at Mina Lima. It's like a twelve to fifteen dollar set of the covers, and of course, you could actually use them as postcards, or you could just keep them for yourself. Yeah, um, definitely. And Debbie wrote in, "Tough call, but I'd have to say my soundtracks. I can and do carry them uh, every day on my iPod." Um, and, Somebody uh, yeah. bought a flask. With a polyjuice potion cover <laughs> for it, I saw and it that. says from the Apothecarium of Horus E. F. Slughorn. That's pretty cool. That is really cool. Roxanne wrote in. I didn't know this was a thing. Sharice, uh, did you know this was a thing? Roxanne wrote in and said, "I really love these play sets from Mattel. Think Polly Pocket, but Harry Potter. I got Hogwarts as my junior high graduation gift." 15 years ago there's a photo they're like these little again Polly pocket like little play sets that are harry potter eyes no i haven't seen or heard of those we gotta figure if we can get these i would think that'd be cool they look old school i think those are from the early days of the movies yeah yeah rachel has a kindle case that depicts the albus lie the life and lies of albus dumbledore cover that's a cool idea. So you That's could turn cool. your Kindle into that book by that great book by Rita Skeeter. Yeah. Paul Minogue says my Horcrux bookmark collection. Uh, if you look at this, like it's each of the seven Horcruxes in like a gold shiny uh, you know, finish. Uh the eighth one is is Harry's scar. But um that just looks amazing. Apparently it's a trend for Rachel's to buy Kindle covers with Harry Potter books on them because <laughs> there's another Rachel who wrote in. She also has a Kindle cover with advanced potion making. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a funny coincidence. Gon says my Time Turner necklace. We have gotten a lot of Time Turner jewelry um, responses as well. And Time Turners are those really cool 
bits from the movie. Like every, they're instantly recognizable for being what they are, and they're also, I imagine, fun to spin. Irvin says, "My Gryffindor and Slytherin boxers, because then I brag about cosplaying completely." <laughs> <laughs> I have Gryffindor boxers, actually. I bought them from Target when they were on clearance. There you go. Amanda Ranking writes in, My Luna glasses, because she's my favorite character, and my Hogwarts diploma. My parents got me when I graduated from college. Aw. Thanks, everybody, who submitted those over on Twitter.com slash MuggleCast. Yeah. Um, And I think that does it for this week's episode. But, Eric, you want to talk about MuggleNet Live? Yes, uh, it's four weeks away, or actually just under four weeks away. On September 1st, 2017, Andrew, Micah, and myself will be at MuggleNet Live 2017, 19 years later. September 1st is the day, the very day in the Deathly Hallows epilogue where Harry puts his kids on the train, and we too will be able to take the Hogwarts Express from Platform 9 and 3 quarters in London, uh, across and back from Hogsmeade, to spend the evening in Diagon Alley with unlimited butterbeer, a feast of wonderful food, the Gringrotts ride, and cast from the films wandering about... There will also be a time for some Q&A and a live MuggleCast podcast. To find out all these details, check out the top of the MuggleCast website. It's the first post on that page with our special referral link. And use code MuggleCast when you check out. It's a promo code that will give you $10 off your order. Time is uh, closing in. We're only, we're like I said, we're less than four weeks away for that. So be sure to book now, and we will all see you in Florida. Yeah, we should think about what we want to um, talk about during our live podcast as I'm well. just going to keep asking Sean Biggerstaff to teach us how to play Quidditch. That's okay. <laughs> 20 minutes of that. <laughs> also, we would love your support over on patreon.com slash MuggleCast. We recently announced some updates. We have a new Facebook group, which has been a lot of fun. Speaking of merchandise, people have been sharing things they've made or their boyfriend or girlfriend have made. Um which has been really cool to see. So that's been a fun community. And uh, we are also going to begin sending out the remainder of our stickers, and we're going to sign out, uh, send out more um, signed album art. All that full details are available over on patreon.com slash MuggleCast. I'm also seeing a fun picture of Eric doing the Hogwarts house sortings in his <laughs> Gilderoy Lockhart cosplay. It looks like it turned out good. Uh, it did. Thank you. That was um, last weekend in Naperville, Illinois, celebration of Harry Potter. It was great. Um, a lot of and fun. I also recently posted a vlog over there um, showing a couple of things that I have related to Harry Potter. And also uh, this vlog captured when I was in the middle of my Cursed Child comparison. So <laughs> you can see what I was doing there. <laughs> Sharice, thanks for joining us. You did great. It was a lot of fun. Hope you enjoyed your time. I did. Thank you so much for having me. Good stuff. Text your husband. Say the kids can come back. <laughs> That's what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Oh, or man. maybe keep him out of the house for a few more hours. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys. Get, get some it took you a time. long time. Yeah, get some you time. <laughs> uh, that would be very nice. <laughs> but you miss him. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Sharice. See you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.